Hey, this is David Howard Thornton. You might know me as Art the Clown for the movie Terrifier, and this is Without Your Head. the station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm jay i'm joined by J- i'm not jason but i'm joined by jason jason uh, buterin is that how you say the name i probably should have asked that before him buterin but it's close buterin. enough you got the right letter all right we'll edit this i really won't but i'll just say this. i'll edit this to make myself sound very smart i know we'll fix it in post and i'll feel a lot better there we go <laughs> the creator of kill giggles which is an excellent name Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's and I like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just like that it's it's a twist on the killer clowns. I do too. I do too. It's um it seemed it was something that had never been done and that seemed horribly wrong. And also I'm terrified of clowns. So it just sort of seemed win win, honestly. Um yeah, we couldn't lose. Not with killing clowns. Yeah. You can never lose with killing clowns. Sloppy footed fuckers. Yeah. I always say on the show, like if you see a clown in a movie, you know he's going to be like uh, a demon, or at the very at the very best, he's going to be like uh, just a drunk. Yeah. So so it's good to see but that it, they're the victims for once. It keeps it keeps with the alliteration. You know, they're a demon, a dick, or a drunk. I mean, it's gonna they're going to be some some sort of the D spectrum. Right. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> usually. If it's a Santa Claus, a clown, or a priest, it's usually almost ninety nine percent of the time they're a villain of some sort. <laughs> oh my god! Now I want to see a movie where like all three things are in the same monster. That would be horrifying. <laughs> right. Or they're the heroes, and no one believes them because no one will trust them. <laughs> I like it. You write it. I'll direct it. We can make this happen. 
All right, sounds good. All right, so I guess before I go too far, I guess uh, since I did talk a little bit here about uh, Kill Giggles. In your words, what is Kill Giggles? Uh, uh, personally, for me, Kill Giggles is uh, ill-advised, self-administered psychotherapy. Um, All right. It's uh, it's 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 it was a dream come true and my worst nightmare at the same time because I myself am I'm terrified of clowns. I have been for a long time. I hate looking at them, and yet I surrounded myself. Uh, with them on set for 20 days so i'm not obviously the brightest bulb in the box um for me kill giggles was just uh it was my first it's my first feature um it's something that was uh, we were able to pull together after being on the film festival circuit for the last few years and for doing short films for the last 13 years it was just it was time to do something bigger and better and the idea of kill giggles is one that's been running amok in my skull for about the last four years um, so it was time just to make the movie. I think largely so my friends and family wouldn't have to listen to me just babble about it anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just kept going on and on. And it was something, you know, originally it started off as a short and then I had about three composition books full of clown death, which I, I, uh, I reckon is going to make uh, wonderful, uh, evidence when I get committed. Eventually it's going <laughs> to happen. I think all filmmakers get committed at some point or should be, um, right. that should, that should expedite the entire commitment process. So I'll be in by lunch. Um, but I just kept killing clowns and killing clowns, and I, I realized uh, what. Also, the the big impetus for that was that I, uh, well, I didn't, but my beautiful wife uh, had a beautiful baby boy, so I figured it was a matter of time before you know I take him to a friend's birthday party and like bubbles to floppy footed fucker is the entertainment du jour, um, and I had two choices. You know, I could either come up with a really good story about where Jack's daddy disappeared to, when the truth of the matter is I'm locked in the trunk of my car crying. Or I could try and get over this crippling chlorophobia um, and still remain, you know, slightly heroic in the eyes of the beautiful blue eyes of my boy. Um, so that's what I did. That's what Kill Giggles is. I, 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 get, I get to kill every client I've ever wanted to in most of the ways I've wanted to, the ones we could afford. And I don't have to give blood on my clothes. And I, don't, I get to go home at the end of the night and, and hug my boy. Um, and the, the biggest thing for that was I, I just sort of started making a list, uh, I think a long time ago. Uh, I started thinking about it of all the, the like you, you, you mentioned, the movies where the clowns are the, the mass murdering maniacs, the monsters, you know, the spreaders of mayhem. Um, and the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And uh, nowhere on that list was there anything where the clowns were the, the victim. You know, no one had ever actually turned the table and made a serial killer of clowns. The clowns were always the serial killers. And to me, it seemed like just such a simple twist, but an important one. And let alone, you know, to, you know, I think to be able to have anything that's, um, that's an original and a unique idea in any avenue, any genre of filmmaking, especially independent filmmaking, um, is something to be, to be proud of, you know, something to be, uh, not exploited, but to be, to be celebrated, to be made, to be shown. Um, and that's what we want to do with Kill Giggles. We wanted to be able to get that idea out there and just show that, I mean, you know, in an era of remakes and reboots and refranchises and everything else like that. Um, that, I mean, there, there are still original independent ideas out there that need to have some, you know, attention paid to them. Um, so I just, I kept whittling away at the script and script. And originally the first draft was about 300 pages and I had to stop because it kept making my DP and editor cry every time I told him how long it was. Um, I'm like, it'll be fine. It's going to be like an 18 hour, you know, long Ken Burns narrated documentary about the art of clown killing. Um, and I couldn't get anyone on the crew into that. It made me sad. So I whittled it down and, you know, I got it to 200 pages and he still, his eyes bulged out like he was on Mars and his little mask came off and the quaid popped out of his tum-tum. Um, so it, it got it down to like 150 and it, it eventually whittled down to the very spelt 110 pages, um, which is what we were able to shoot. So, I mean, it's, it, that's a very rattling, long-winded answer for, uh, 
Kill Giggles is a movie. Uh, it's a thrill. It's a, <laughs> it's a go, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's everything. Like I said, I mean, it, it literally was, it was a dream come true and my worst nightmare at the same time. Um, yeah. I got to work with some amazing people. Um, you know, we have some, we have some just absolutely astounding celebrity cameos in this movie, which are, I mean, people I grew up watching uh, religiously in video on movie in, in movies in the eighties, uh, or I mean, not even but I mean, growing up as a kid, I mean, seeing these people in these movies and almost quasi-religiously worshiping them because I mean, in the eighties, I had two friends growing up in the backwoods of the back roads of Missouri, the library and the video store. And I was always at the video store with a massive stack of videos. So I mean, watching things like Sleepaway Camp, Mad Max, Weird Science, and Night of the Living Dead. Um, and then being able to work with people from those movies in my movie was just kind of, it was a mind fuck. Um, and I still can't believe it actually happened. We were able to pull this off. So we, you know, we, 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 did, we did a lot of, we, we did something magical, which I'm very proud of. And I can't wait for the world to see it. Mm-hmm. So is it like an hour and 50 minutes long, the movie? Uh, I want to aim for about like the 100 minute mark um, mm-hmm. was kind of what I was going for. So it's I'm, I know because feature films seem to be getting shorter and shorter. I realize attention spans and social media and I don't know, algorithms. Um, everything makes everything just shorter and quicker. Also, Disney Plus came out, so nobody wants to go to the movies anymore. Um Shit, I haven't seen The Mandalorian yet. Have you seen it? You're in the Disney Plus? I have not either. No, I haven't. I haven't ordered it. I'll probably get it at some point to, to to watch stuff on there. But no, I haven't. I haven't got it yet. I'm trying to figure out like which of my friends I could make tacos for. Be like, I'll come over to your house and make you tacos. And <laughs> oh, I'm making tacos. I can watch it. Um, <laughs> shit, where was I going with that? I got distracted by The Mandalorian. Uh, I do like that. I that a lot of the people that I saw on Facebook agreeing with us Scorsese that the MCU is like evil and it's not real sentiment should be stopped. A lot of them now are like, Oh man, the Mandalorian Mandalorian's great. You know, the first day that Disney plus started. Yeah. Well, I know it's just like, and I, I don't know. Um, cause I'm, I'm old and cranky and I seceded from the human race when I was 10. Um, and I don't understand a lot of the social media, but I don't know like why, people just can't like stuff and not like stuff. And it's like, (laughs) and like Martin Scorsese is like the Marvel movies aren't cinema. Okay. You're Martin Scorsese. That's cool. I dig, Uh you know, know, Thor Ragnarok blew me away. And it's one of my son. It's one of my favorite movies to watch with my son. Cause he loves the part when Thor leaps across the bridge and lightning shoots out and Liz Zeppelin's immigrant song is playing. So for me, it's like, it's a visceral experience. Martin Scorsese probably is not going to have the best time if he sits next to us when that's playing in the theater. But I can respect that. I don't like all of his stuff, but it's like, that's cool. He likes, you know, I like something he doesn't. Can't that just be it? Like, why the fuck is that news? Like, cranky old man doesn't like something. Okay, why is that shocking? I don't understand. And then everything on the social media, and then it turns into a sea of fucking Epstein memes, and you're just like, really? And I don't understand. That's why I was hoping I could push our interview, you know, our interview towards CB Radio, because I think that would be really good to make a comeback as the next wave of social media. I like it. That'd be pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah, get everyone out there. You know, like actually interacting, not like hiding behind firewalls and IPs. Uh, and yeah, but yeah, really out there. Then I don't know. What, it's worth when it. you talked, when you talked about a short attention span, this really has nothing to do with anything. But I was, uh, I did a short film last year, and I was like the oldest person there, forty three, and uh, one of the younger people there was like twenty or so, and uh, he was talking that he did podcast. And then he edits them all down to 45 seconds so they could fit on uh, on Instagram. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. So I went and watched them. 
and they weren't even full sentences. They were like, like just words, like, <laughs> like, and I just, I just could understand why anyone would, would want to do that or listen to that. Yeah, I know. That's, that's it. That seems like that's 45 seconds is long enough to get like your name and the, I, you know, the, the, the station. Yeah, there's no intros or anything. It was just like, like, a, like a short blurb of a couple like partial sentences. And that was the end of it. And I was just like, I, I don't understand this. Yeah, I can't even get started on the first sentence of what I'm going to talk about in 45 seconds. I just keep going the fuck on, as you obviously notice now. Um, so, yeah, wow. I'd be like, hi, my name is Jason. And that would be it. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, that was a hell of an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was great. <laughs> the guy said, "That was awesome." Right. Yeah, the, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it. So you've been doing shorts for a while. Yes. Are they? I, I assume they're all horror as well. Um, for the most part, we had we had some fun with a, a short film trilogy, which was a fun experiment. It sounded great in theory, and we tried to market it, and people are like, "We don't know what to do with this." Um, it was called "The Gospel According to Booze, Bullets, and Hot Pink Jesus." And it was like sort of, name. yeah, I, I made a love, I was at a, I have, I'm in a band, we do the rock and roll and we, I wanted to write a song for some reason. I wanted to write a social distortion song and the words booze bullets and hot pink Jesus just popped into my head. So I was like, we'll write that. And then it, it sort of turned into an idea. We did a, the 48 hour film project. We did, we did one of those and um, we didn't win that year. And I, I, that made me very sad. So I sat in the bar and consoled myself. And by the time I left the bar, I think I had like 27 napkins full of ideas. Um, Cause what I wanted to do, and the question that sort of popped in my head was what would happen if, you know, Quentin Tarantino directed not one episode of the twilight zone, but three. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've, I've been obsessed with that show ever since I was a wee lad. Part of the reason why I couldn't talk to you to, tonight or tomorrow night is because I'm taking my mom to go for like the, whatever the big 60th anniversary screening. They're showing six episodes, which is going to be amazing. Um, but I just, I always, you know, the way, uh, Rod Serling had this amazing ability to take these and all the writers that show Richard Matheson, everyone that wrote for that to take these seemingly innocuous objects in everyday life, everyday quotidian existence, um, and just invoke them with a great preternatural power. And I, I was always fascinated by that idea. Um, you know, one of my favorite episodes, of the twilight zone, you know, time enough at last. I mean, just this brilliant storyline, which is absolutely heartbreaking. You know, I mean, this guy gets everything he wants ever in the world. And then he loses it with something as simple as his glasses breaking. And I mean, it's just, it's so simple and powerful at the same time. So I, I, I sort of tend to think about that. And the genesis of this story without having to pay Phil Collins royalties is that, um, I had an 18 inch, about 18 inches statue, um, on my, on the mantle place of my fireplace of a hot pink Jesus. And it had a little magic eight ball in there, a little plastic statue. And there was a little magic eight ball at the bottom that had like, um, little sayings like I died for this, or let me go ask my dad or sinner or something like that. Um, so it was just something that, that sat there for a while. I started thinking about what if this thing had the power to predict the future. And then, you know, it sort of had the, it, it had over the years, over the decades had gained this sort of cult status reputation as it was, this was the thing that could give you all the power in the world that you wanted, um, but never in the way you thought you would get it or never for as long as you thought you would have it. So there's sort of like, it just sort of goes from like bad guy to bad guy to bad guy to bad guy. And every, you know, I, I, just changing all these people's histories and lives and stuff like that, just with a little simple statue of a, of a Jesus. So we did that and we, I kind of wrote three separate, three separate short films, all involving intercrossing characters and stuff like that. And we shot it over a period of four years so it, it, that was a real the labor of love. So that isn't necessarily horror per se, um, but very, very Twilight Zone influence, Tarantino influence. But yeah, everything else is pretty much straight horror, man. 
Yeah. You know, I've seen the poster now, and it kind of reminds me of uh, the Muscle Men. It's kind of that same pink. So it's like if Jesus was a was a muscle figure back in the yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and that's a, it's, it's just um, you know, I mean, people. It's there's three things I never talk about with people. You know, politics, religion, and the Great Pumpkin. Um, and the third one is a lie. So it's just like people they 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 take their Jesus seriously. So we tried to present it as something that what if you didn't take it so seriously and just sort of yeah um, and it's I mean we're not it's not any great I mean this is no sort of uh, religious polemical we're not going to get nailed to like a the, the door of a church with ninety five reasons not to watch the movie although that would be hella great promotion if somebody did that would be great. Um, actually Tyson there was another there was another idea I had for a long time um, that I want to do call a project called Making the Messiah which is all about. Uh, America got tired of waiting for the second coming, so they had a reality TV show to speed the entire process up. Um, but I don't want to give too much away because I'm going to shoot that someday with the beautiful Lucas Hassel, who's just a beautiful, beautiful man. Um, yes. Did I win? Did I answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So how do you do when the shorts prepare to do the feature, I guess? Shorts? How did that prepare me for the feature? Yeah. Um. In, in many, 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 in many ways, um, in front of and behind the camera, we we started with the short films with like things like the forty eight hour film festival or the forty eight hour film project, and then I wanted to write something, so I was like, I was going to write a, I was going to write a, a, another. We we're going to do a horror movie. Well, I wanted to do something on North Carolina folklore ghost stories, so we did about we did a, a little forty five minute film called The Devil's Camping Ground. Forty five minutes being the absolute worst length for a movie ever. Um, and the script wasn't so hot, but it, it basically it, it, it got it ignited the flame on me. I just I wanted I wanted to be a writer. And after doing that project, uh, I had this nagging feeling that the directors I was working with just didn't get it because I basically because I put entirely way too much direction in my script. So I was like, well, I'll just try and direct too. Um, so then after that, that was two thousand eight. I just sort of started cutting my teeth, but it we were able to put together, we've done a lot of different short films. Um, and within the last probably five years, ever since about 20, well, yeah, five or six years, been doing the film festival circuit pretty steadily. Um, and just the, the people that we've been able to meet to work with and stuff like that, doing one short film, you come across a couple of people and you work with them again on another short film and then maybe in a different capacity. And over the years, I, you know, uh, my our our, produ- our production company, Mad Ones Films. I mean, it encompasses a lot of other people and production companies, and it's just sort of kind of like a, just an umbrella identity. Um, but being able to find people like Jesse Knight and Jason Ledford, and then Thorin Clater out of Austin, Texas, and uh, Michael Ray Williams, who's you know the lead actor in Kill Giggles. I, this is the third, fourth time I've worked with him. He, uh, he's a he's a brother to me. Um, but be, being able to do the films and being able to take those films and do things, um, you know, make appearances at conventions, do the film festivals and stuff like that, that it, it gave us not only the experience, um, to, I think, to be able to handle the feature and shoot it in the way that we did, but it just it also opened up so many, so many doors, so many possibilities. Um, we wouldn't have been able to have any of the celebrity cameos, you know, Felissa Rose, Vernon Wells, Judith O'Day. Wouldn't have been able to have any of those if it weren't for doing the film festivals and stuff like that, for doing the conventions. Because um, I was able to meet Felissa Rose down at Crimson Screen Horror, which is in Charleston, South Carolina. And then she got us, she got me in touch with Vernon. Um, was able to come across, you know, or to meet Judith O'Day working on the set of Matt Clapp's Night of the Living Dead Genesis. And then she and I kept in touch and uh, was able to bring her on Kill Giggles. So, I mean, if, if, if it weren't for the, the short films themselves, we we wouldn't have been prepared to be able to do anything for the feature. Um, it's, it's something I don't think I could have jumped into 
because I, I spend an insane amount of time in pre-production. I obsess about it to probably an annoying degree to my cast and crew. Um, but for the shorts and stuff like that, where, you know, we were operating on an aglet of a shoestring of a budget, we didn't, I felt like we never had, we didn't have the time to be able to waste anyone else's time. Um, you know, I mean, we're very, you know, barely paying people as it is. And what we are is, is a fraction of what they're, they're ultimately worth. Um, so it was just, you know, I've been on, on short film sets where, I mean, it, it's just sort of a nightmare and you just kind of wait around. And there's, I mean, there's always that nagging amount of just waiting around in a film set anyway. But we, I, I, I learned, I was able to learn between our, our short film shoots and other sets and stuff like that, why I was able to look and see what worked and what didn't work and just kind of cherry pick the best things. And then being able to put the crew together and stuff like that, this Kill Giggles was the largest crew I've, I've ever worked with. It was weird. I kept trying to do stuff and help, and people kept yelling at me. Like Thorin, my AD, kept yelling at me. I'm like, "What?" You know, I would try, I would pick up the Apple Box and take it over to the Gaffer or the DP or something like that. Like, you're not supposed. To. I'm like, but it it needed to be done. Um, so it was weird. I got yelled at by my own crew, but I mean, it was just it. The short films we've done have been an amazing educational experience, and it, it, you know, I don't think there's any way I could have just jumped into a feature right off the bat. Um, but I mean, it you know that that was sort of our trial by fire to be able to test and see how we would do, and then we we used a lot of those lessons. I mean, we shot Kill Giggles in twenty days, basically, over the summer instead of trying to do um, you know one weekend here, and then you know six months later a couple of weekends instead of trying to work around the real world and people's work schedules and everything else like that. We were we were lucky enough that we just took two big blocks of time over the summer and just shot the entire thing in the month of June, well June into July. Um, but it, it's done, and we've got we have a brilliant rough cut. We're working on it right now. Um, it, yeah, it's it's going to be something amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. I just also watched I watched like 20 minutes of we have a we we had a behind the or we had a documentary career on set the entire time. So we're going to have um, a really 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 fucking cool just behind the scenes documentary about the entire thing. So I'm excited about that. But I got to watch the first 20 minutes tonight and. It's fucking amazing. I'm very, very excited about this. Yeah. Are you doing your own editing? I don't. I don't. Um, I edited a couple of shorts, and it made my it made my head hurt. Um, but the the our brilliant award winning filmmaker, uh, cameraman extraordinaire, Mr. Jesse H. Knight, he was the cinematographer on Kill Giggles, and he's also the editor and also one of the executive producers, um, and just an all around good guy. He gave me the idea for the Mohawk. I never had one before. I like it. Yeah, it works. <laughs> well, it's not bad. I was 43. And I, when I had, it, 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 I had my hair was, I mean, down to my ass, and it was just all long and crazy and whatnot. Um, but I, I always just grow it out and then shave it off and donate it and grow it out and donate it and stuff like that. But I never actually had it this bad before. But we got Dola Kilgiggers, and I just shaved the entire, like, I went up to Great Clips. And, uh, yeah, like just all of it. And they like, what? <laughs> like buzzing. And, yeah. She felt bad. And I'm like, would you make the crazy ululating noise when you scout me? And she's like, no, <laughs> I was going to tip her, but it was awkward and people were watching. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's, uh, 20 days. And I saw, I read in your, in your, uh, press release there that it was 36 locations. So mm-hmm. was that hard to get it all done in 20 days? Fuck. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think some members of my crew still haven't forgiven me yet. Yeah, it was um, it it it, it was not a nightmare, uh, but it, it was very very stressful. Because I mean, every day, I think there was there was one time, one day when we were shooting stuff in Tommy's apartment, where we were in the same location for two days, two consecutive days, a Saturday Sunday, 
Um, otherwise, I mean, it was a different location every day, sometimes multiple locations. I mean, we had multiple, yeah, just moves, you know, multiple moves in one day. Um, but again, that was also, it, it was something that I, I had spent weeks and months planning. Um, we had our location scout, location director, Ms. Beth Compton. She was amazing and wonderful to work with and was, I mean, just a very, very, very important and helpful in getting all of these things. But we sort of had everything staggered to where we were able to just go from one to one to one to one to shoot and stuff. Um, but I mean, it, it was crazy. And we were, we were all over the whole fucking state of North Carolina. Um, Greensboro, High Point, uh, Jamestown, Eden, Archdale, Asheboro. Asheboro was an amazing place to shoot in Jamestown, um, everywhere. Uh, we, we just sort of ran the entire gamut around the Piedmont triad. But what, what we were able to get was absolutely amazing. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm hoping ultimately my, my goal for this is I would love for this movie to be able to help put North Carolina filmmaking back on the map. We had, um, we had an amazing film scene and we still do. And that's, well, we had, we had, we had a, we had a really good film industry. We've always had an amazing film community. And, and I think a lot of people get caught up or lose sight of the difference in that. Um, we had these great film incentives and stuff like that. The film industry jumped ship and went down to Atlanta but the film community has never been stronger. So I, I want people to be able to see what you can do. You know, we were, we were able to cobble together a very, you know, the biggest budget we've ever had. Um, but compared to, you know, even just what I've seen other indie horror features and stuff like that, what we were able to do, I mean, it is still a, a fraction of what, you know, what, what they'll spend. Um, but I, I wanted to be able to show people what you can just do with just a, a proper amount of planning. So that's why we were able to, to pull everything we did. But I mean, going from, yeah. Uh, the, and some of the locations we had, God, there was, a, it was a ghost mall in Eden, North Carolina, which I don't think this thing had been touched since maybe I would say September, 1985. Um, it was just, it basically, it was still open. There were stores there that technically had open hours, but the stores weren't open and there was just nobody. It was, it was a ghost mall. It was very, very weird. And then uh, we had, yeah. I think they demolished it three days after we got done filming. Um, we found a cool hospital up in Yadkinville, North Carolina. And we turned that into a mental hospital. So I got to run around there with Felissa Rose and Ellie Church, which was just a wacky adventure in and of itself. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of something close. Like uh, the Dixie, the Dixie Classic, yeah, Dixie Classic Fairgrounds Rodeo Arena. Um, we got to draw and quarter a rodeo clown. So we, we were out at actual like rodeo arena with the grandstand and everything else. And we had horses and it was just, it was a wonderful day at the rodeo. Lovely day to, you know, dismember a clown. Um, but I mean, it was just the, 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 the yeah, the amount of setups and, and moves and stuff like that that we did. I think the most we had was four in one day Four, yeah, four in one day. Um, so, I mean, it was just absolutely bad shit crazy, but the beautiful thing is that, I mean, each and every single person on the crew, if they, if they did say things, bad things about me, they didn't say them out loud, but I mean, everyone just soldiered through, um, you know, all, all the different locations and being, especially being outside in the lovely North Carolina summer, which is, is fun in and of itself. And the temperature often rivals the humidity. Um, everyone, everyone powered through with an amazing attitude, uh, for, you know, especially for what they had, you know, for what they had to go through with the, with the weather, the heat, the, everything else like that. They, they, they made it, you know, they made it probably the most amazing film set experience I've ever had so far. Um, and that, yeah, that, that's something I'm very, very grateful for. So yeah, again, to be able to handle that many just shift moves. And there was one thing we showed up at a location on a Monday cause we were going to be filming there on Thursday 
and they had demolished the entire interior of it, which slightly affected the shot list that I had in mind because all the stuff, all uh, the entire location was laying in a fucking pile of rubble in the middle of the room. Um, so then we had to, I was like, that, that we can't do that, but we were able, it was in the giant strip mall and we moved several buildings down to the former Republican headquarters of Guilford County and we turned that into a clown college. Um, so it was, it was fun location adventures like that. Um, you know, a couple, we had a couple of locations where it's like, well, we told you you could have it for this, this day and time. Yes. Thank you. Well, we're not going to do that anymore. So figure something else out. So, it, you know, it, it was, it was a fantastic juggling routine a couple of times, but again, I mean, everything just, the film gods wanted this movie to happen. I have to believe because I mean, everything just sort of fell into place to where we, you know, we, we had, uh, adventures, mishaps. Uh, I'm trying to think of the most appropriate word. Um, we had mild clusterfucks, I think is a good thing. Mild. Yeah, lukewarm clusterfucks. Okay. Again, I mean, it's, you know, with something like that, well, we had, I mean, we had a very small window of time to be able to get this entire movie shot. We didn't, we didn't have time. It's like, well, we'll just do pickup shots. Like we, no, we had 20 days to get this entire thing done, and we did it. Um, we adapted very well, and again, it's just... I will never be able to, yeah, to truly or I think ever fully repay the cast and crew for that. But I hope that comes across in the movie that, that we get to release. Mm-hmm. Now, some of these uh, locations, were there any places like you knew of before you did the movie? And like, hey, if I ever do like a feature, I'd like to film, you know, at this uh, this old mall or at this uh, this uh, hospital. Oh yeah, there was a, there was a few and there was a few locations. I just I I wrote I wrote and I, I think in some of the screenplay writing books that I've got that I haven't read yet. Cause I've been too busy making movies. They like don't write for specific places or people. I did that. I do that a lot. Um, but like, so like we, you know, some of the, a couple of you know, some of the locations, uh, we shot an amazing club in downtown Winston Salem called the Ramcat. And I, I've played, you know, my band's played there before I've been in video, I've been involved in video shoots there and stuff like that. So I'd like, I knew I wanted to be able to shoot that and we ended up writing it to where there was, there was a great band scene in the movie. So like, I knew it had to be there. Um, we had a place like uh, um, sorry, Crafted, which is in down, also in downtown West. I'm like, I knew I wanted to shoot there, but there were other places where we had to find, we had to go and look, and it was weird because I, you know, I wanted to be able to have a hospital. I wanted to turn it into a mental asylum, and um, well, most places they don't even call them mental asylums anymore. But I, that that was just if I, that was kind of the look I wanted. So it was weird having to go and try and look at recently abandoned hospitals and all these other places and you know doctors clinics and strip malls and stuff like that trying to find some place where we could have people howling and all sorts of crazy noises and various other things that we have in the movie that i can't talk about because spoilers um so that i mean that that was fun to find you know trying to find a uh i wanted to find i wanted a ghost ball i mean i wanted something that hadn't been touched in 30 years and in this day and age that's just that's a that's a, a rare find anymore um, so that, that, that took a bit of looking, but luckily within the state of North Carolina, I mean, we've got, we've got some towns that haven't been touched in 30 years. So I, I you know, we, we, we got lucky in every single thing. There was one location that sort of eluded us that we did, we were never able to find him. I wanted to find an abandoned quarry and we had, I mean, you know, there were a couple of places that would have worked, but what they wanted was essentially, you know, larger than the entire budget of the film that we had. So that didn't work out. Um, but I mean, everything else we got really, really lucky. Beth Compton, again, the location director, busted her ass six ways from Sunday to be able to find these places. And we went through Airbnb um, for, you know, we had several different apartment scenes and stuff like that. So we were able to, to get really lucky through that and just 
just sort of word of mouth. Um, you know, we were looking for a coffee house that we could kind of do. So Beth was able to find that. And we, we just, yeah, we got, we got, a, we got really lucky again with, I think the, the network of contacts that we were able to, uh, to build up over the years doing all the short films and stuff like that. So we had, we had a lot of people that wanted to help us out, which made it a lot easier ultimately. Yeah. So have you ever done a mad monster in Charlotte in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. The convention. I was just there. I think I was there. Was that there last year? Yeah, I was there last. Year. I would. Yeah, no, no. Days of the Dead was just a few weeks ago, but I was there. I think two years ago because when Felissa Rose was there, we were all hanging out. Um, oh, I was there the same year. Nice, nice. I was in the. I just remember being in the hotel bar, and it was very odd because I was at a table, and like I was there, and she was across from me, and then Christina Lee McCarthy was there, and then Alex Vincent was there, and then Lisa Wilcox was there. As and I looked at myself sitting at a table full of all the people I grew up watching in horror movies, going, "What the fuck?" Um, that was a really yeah. I, I, like, at that point, I really wanted to call eight year old me and be like, "You have no idea how amazing your life's going to get. High school's going to suck." And then, but yeah, I just wanted to tell myself to soldier through. Um, but yeah. no, I've, I've, yeah, I've done the Mad Monster Party, so this is something that we're hoping we'll screen there once everything comes out, because it's just it's a yeah. rock yeah. suck em good time. Yeah, yeah. The next one comes up in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right around my forty fourth birthday. So. Nice. No, when's your birthday? Yeah. Uh, February nineteenth. I think it's three days before it. Oh, no, I still I, accept I, gifts. So. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, for the entire month. I mean, that's just by law. That's your right. I think so. I mean, my birthday is, is the thirty first, and I'm also forty three. So crazy. Right. Like, yeah, we yeah. could be we could be brothers in a weird universe. Yeah, they'd be like almost twins, then. Yeah, we are. Age. We should remake yeah. twins. Yeah, my real brother is nine years older, so it's totally different. Nine. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know that guy at all. Yeah, 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 you don't need to know him. No, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, so, when did you know you were afraid of clowns, and why do you think people are afraid of clowns? Um, well, a they're fucking creepy. Um, when did I know I was afraid? It was honestly when I saw Poltergeist. Uh, the clown, the clown marionette, just completely fucking unhinged me. Um. I'd actually dressed up as as a clown. I was okay with clowns. I wasn't born this way. I I, I think it was it was a deliberate choice. Um, but again, we're going to avoid politics. Um, I dressed up as a clown a Halloween six. That would have been eighty two, eighty two or eighty three. Um, you know, dressed up as a clown for Halloween. Thought they were fine. Everything, blah blah blah. And then saw Poltergeist and the marionette and the bed. And then just no, no. From that point on, I just yeah, I lost it. Um, literary forms, you know, like, uh, the Stephen King's Pennywise, you know, that, that was, that was creepy in and of itself, but it was just more for me. It was, it was the visual, the, the, the visual presence. I mean, just that visual, visceral, terrifying sight directly in front of you. Um, and it, they were just fucking creepy. You know, I think for me it was, it was, it was the exaggerated features and that it, it sort of blended into it. Cause I don't like people in mascot, I don't mascot uniforms and cosplayers don't bother me. Um, uh, but just weird mascot uniforms. Like we got asked to leave Disney world in 1986 cause I kicked goofy. And I still think my mom's kind of mad at me for that. Cause they spent a lot of money. Um, but it was, it was the exaggerated features of clown, the big floppy feet and just everything, you know, and I understand cause one of the guys we were able to have on our set, Mr. Joseph Arthur Rosinski, um, he was one of the last graduates of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College School. 
Um, and he gave me this very long histories over tacos of the history of clowns um, and talking like all about their makeup and why they did things and stuff like that. I mean, brilliant fellow, brilliant fellow. Um, but I just, I, I, I don't like them. I think they're fucking creepy. Um, the hair, the makeup, they just a lot. It's just, I don't like, I don't like hobo clowns. I don't like sad clowns. I, I like dead clowns. Those are the only clowns I like. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's my sort of personal, I think the, yeah, the impetus behind my chlorophobia. Other people's, I, I don't know. Um, but that's one of the big things we were wanting to be able to do with this movie is because the clowns are the victims at this point. So it's like, you know, the people that hate clowns will hopefully want to see this movie because the clowns die and who doesn't like a good dead clown? You know, the people that like clowns or love clowns for whatever psychological reasons they have to work out on their own, they would want to see this movie because the clowns are the victims. And, you know, they, they, they want to feel sorry for them. And then everyone else in the middle who doesn't give a shit about clowns one way or the other, but they just want to go see the movie because everyone else is. So it's like we're hoping to just cast a wide net and then reel all the, the clown death lovers in. Yeah. So <laughs> did did making this help your fear of clowns? It's it's dulled things a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I, I still I don't like I don't like looking at it. I don't like seeing them. And then you make a movie about clowns, and then like all your friends on social media are like, "Hey, look at all this clown stuff!" And you're like, "I don't want to see that," but they keep posting it. Um, and then I keep putting out posters and trailers and stuff like that. We have some beautiful trailers. Um, yeah, the trailers are good. I'm I'm so happy. We just yeah, we had one that came out for our our our, our amazing distributors of Ale Films um, have been out at AFM this past week, and so we put out something for them. But we've got you know we have a theatrical trailer which is just. Um, it's probably, the, I think it's the best trailer I've ever been able to be a part of. Um, putting that together with Jesse Knight was just fantastic. And I think we were able to put together, you know, I wanted to put together a thriller trailer. I didn't want to do a, a typical, and I say typical, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but just sort of what, you know, what, what is commonly known as the horror trailer these days. And a lot of horror trailers, I mean, they just throw everything at the viewer within 90 seconds. Here's all the great money shots, all the greatest effects shots, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, they throw everything at them. So that when you actually sit down and watch the movie, if you do, I mean, you're just sort of waiting in between the bits that you know is going to come because that was all the coolest stuff. I mean, they throw, they throw everything aside from you know the ending, or they just throw the ending in there too. Um, so I, I wanted to be able to kind of do something different with the with the theatrical trailer and just make it more of a thriller, which is what we kind of we really set out to do with the film. Um, like I said, you know, Ron Serling, Twilight Zone has always been an amazing influence on me, but so is Hitchcock. I think the two biggest, you know, influences that I had for this film going into it was Psycho and then American Psycho. Um, but I was, you know, I always loved what Hitchcock was able to do in terms of just uh, panning away, um, you know, not, you know, not having to show everything, leaving certain blanks for the viewers to be able to fill in for themselves. Because ultimately, I think whatever monster, whatever mayhem, whatever violence, you know, that you don't have to show, but that they can hear, that they know is going on they're going to craft something far creepier and far more disturbing in their heads than you would ever have to film. Um, you know, the, the, the shower scene in psycho where, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, one of the most pivotal seminal moments in, you know, horror, you know, modern cinema the last hundred years. Well, I guess it's about as long as cinema's been around. Um, but I mean, it's such a powerful pivotal moment and they don't ever actually show anything. I mean, at any given time, you don't ever see the knife going into Janet Lee. I mean, you know, what I mean? It, it, but between the way that they were able to shoot it, cut it, and put it all together, it terrified people. And that was something that we really kind of set out to do with Kill Giggles, was to be able to have 
something that felt, you know, just as much of, you know, it felt just as much of like a thriller as it did a horror. So I, we wanted to be able to combine a lot of those elements, um, which is, and again, you know, and hopefully that in combination with the novelty, you know, the originality of the idea of the clowns as a victims, that's what's going to lure people in for the trilogy that will have to come eventually. Oh, is that, is that the plan to do more? Um, not the end the hope, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the the ending that we have, and then um, Jesus, hot pink Christ! Can we just talk for a second about how amazing Ellie Church is? Um, holy shit, she's amazing! You know the 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 finale of the film because I mean it, she she just she fucking nailed it, but it it leaves it open ended. I didn't write it to be like I didn't want to uh, you know I I, never, I I didn't think about a sequel. I didn't think about yeah a, a, a trilogy. Uh, it yeah somebody wants to throw an obscene amount of money at us or doubloons to make it, you know, or we can make it a series. We could, you know, we'll go kill a client. We'll, we'll, we'll bridge it into a series, into a reality show. We'll go around and just kill clowns, you know? Um, yeah, I'm open to different, uh, media outlets and, and various ideas. Um, but no, you know, I, I don't know. It could be possibly. I haven't thought about it. But the way that the yeah. thing, yeah, the thing that LA Church did on the last, or, or what is ultimately going to be the last scenes of the movie, holy shit! Um, the, the one of the one of the uh, PAs took a shot of me when I was watching in Video Village, like and, and her performance for what's going to be the last shots of the film, and then my jaw was almost on the floor. Uh, it was it was that fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to see that. Holy shit, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Had you worked with her before? I did, I did. I was, I was lucky enough to be able to work on the movie Born or the short film Born Again, um, which was written by Randall Greenland and Jason Tostevin, and then it, um, <coughs> excuse me, pretty much it, it played on the film festival. So it came out, I want to say, 2015, 2016, and then it played everywhere and won all the awards everywhere because it was just fucking amazing. Um, brilliant little sort of dark horror comedy about the worst Satanists ever. Um, and she, she was, she had a, yeah, she, she was in that. She played my mom, so to speak. Um, have you seen it? Born no, again? I've not seen it. No, okay. I'd like to well, seek that out. I won't. Yeah, I'll find, I'll, um, I'll make myself a little on here. I will, I will track it down and, and, and shoot it to you. So I won't spoil it for you, but yeah, she, she no. and I worked in that movie together, uh, spent a lot of time on set. We wrote the mythology of horse top centaur and fish top mermaid which is a film that we're exploring together because we're like, nobody would like Horse Top Centaur. And then we know yeah, we wrote this entire, yeah, we, uh, it's a love story. Very complicated, very sort of existential based mythology. Um, and then we just, we, we just kept in touch, but she and I, we had, we had a lot of uh, the same friends and the and overlapping, the overlapping concentric social and film circles and stuff like that. We knew a lot of the same people. So that born again was our chance to sort of meet face to face. And then, um, when we were when I was putting Kill Giggles together, and we'd originally had there was a different person cast for the the, the female lead, um, and when it came, you know, uh, situations arose and stuff like that, we had to recast. And I had reached out to Ellie, and she put me through the fucking ringer. It was crazy. I mean, I think she she had far more questions for me than than I had for her. Her interview process was was daunting and intimidating. Um, but I mean, it just, it's just, it, it was also, I think, rewarding at the same time, just to know that, that, that somebody took it that seriously to be able to ask you that many questions about 
the story and the character and the production and the cast and the crowd. I mean, just all, all sorts of details and stuff like that that I don't think, you know, no one had ever sort of approached with me before. So to be able to have that, that degree of professionalism, and then she's just got one of the most twisted personalities and it's just an abs- an absolute, absolutely amazing person. Um, so, you know, to, fi- to finally be able to work with her and especially with, with a story that was so important to me was just that that's part of the dream come true aspect. Yeah. You're uh, for born again that you're in and for shorts that you made, like uh, where do they go after the, the uh, festival run? Um, we've been lucky that we've done, um, two of our shorts, uh, don't let the light in and the corner, um, were licensed with ruthless pictures. So they're on, uh, don't let the light in is on an anthology called monster X. And then the corner is on an anthology called something that we'll fill in later when we fix this in post. Um, <laughs> and then we've had, um, due to our involvement with, uh, the crimson screen horror film festival, one of their sponsors is shorts TV, which is, uh, international market, yeah, markets, yeah, markets distribution outlets all around the world and stuff like that. So, we and it's one of the I think they're on like Direct T, uh, Direct TV, AT and T, Uverse, um, and then the websites and everything else like that. But we've been able to license several of our shorts through there. So we've 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 gotten that we you know we have the potential worldwide audience that we've gotten out there in certain outlets and stuff like that, which is something that I don't think. Uh, a lot of short filmmakers, you know, are, are are lucky enough to be able to maybe have that have that chance to be able to to extend outside of just the short, you know, the, the film festival circuit. Then you put it up on YouTube and everyone can watch it. So we you know, we were able to sort of get it out to a bigger audience, which is always is a little bit more rewarding. Um, but it, we, you know, we've got some stuff like that, and then our our distributor that we're working with, Avail Films, they're launching a new pro or a new service, Avail TV. And they're at, you know, they're sort of stockpiling short films and feature films and stuff like that. So we're hoping that some of our shorts will again fit for something like that. And then, to me, I, I you know, growing up in the '80s, I mean, I love the anthology series. You know, obviously, especially with the love that I have for Twilight Zone. But I mean, things like Amazing Stories and Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters and stuff like that. Those and you know, uh, serial shows and stuff like that. But that fit with you know within the anthological format. And I, I, I think I hope that's one of the reasons why you. You're seeing so many anthologies popping up nowadays. It's because you know it, it, there's so many, there's such an abundance of brilliant fucking short films out there that yeah, deserve sure. an audience. I mean, they deserve something more than just the cast and crew and their friends and family seeing this. Like they they deserve that uh, that bigger audience. And you know, b- between the film festival circuit and anthology films and everything else, and I mean, just Amazon Prime and Tubi, and I mean, there, there are just so many outlets out there now. That I don't think, you know, I mean, and, and, and I mean, it, it's subjective. It, it comes down to what the filmmaker ultimately wants to do with their film. I mean, do they just want to be able to to make this, to be able to have it, to exercise their artistic and creative demons and then move on to the next one? Or, you know, do, do they want to be able to get this out to as many people as possible, you know, to be able to, if you know, if it's a horror movie, you want to scare people. But, you know, if you, you just want to be able to reach, you want to be able to touch somebody else with your story. Um you don't have to just settle for Yeah. I mean, you know, just you know, making this, put it on YouTube and then that's it. You move on to the next thing. I mean, you ha- there are so many options out there now. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's also, you know, I think a lot of people kind of go into, it's like, well, I'm going to get my movie on Amazon prime and then I'm going to make a lot of money. No, no, you might, you might, you never know. It's a wacky world that we live in. But again, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, at least I think with the majority of people that I know, nobody got into independent filmmaking to make money. So it's just sort of something it's not. Um, 
it'd be swell if it happened, but it, it, it's likely not going to for some time unless you're super lucky. Yeah. 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 So with the rise of all the, um, all the platforms to have your stuff on your shutter, we didn't mention, but all kinds, all these to be, which is a really great uh, site. I like it. Um, for kill giggles. Do you have any plans of you like how you want it to, to get out there everywhere? Uh, huh. every fucking where now, um, I mean, I really, I would, love, you know, I, oh, Shutter would be, that would just, that would be awesome. Um, but I mean, we, we, we want to go after all of them. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Shutter, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. Um, we'll go for Disney Plus if they like it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, we might get to uh, we put a little, yeah, put a couple of mouse ears on one. We might be fine. Um, you know, I, I, I would love, God, it would, be, it would be a dream come true to be able to do, you know, some sort of a, a limited theatrical run. I don't think we'll get that lucky, certainly not with the first one, but, um, you know, with things like, I mean, the, you know, and one of the things I've thought about is that um, I just went to the Alamo Draft House in Raleigh, North Carolina, Andre Gower screen, you know, uh, Wolfman's Got Nards, the Monster Squad doc there, and I mean, he yeah. just set, set I up. I saw it at Fright Fest. Uh, it was such a, such yeah. a good, my band did the song for, uh, it's, just, it's, it's the closing credits and stuff like that. Like we, cause I, I did a big interview, but I ended up coming in, like I, I sent it in two days after the, the deadline. So I didn't make it in the final cut and it made me a sad monkey, but my band's in the movie, damn it. Um, but he, he set up this amazing sort of just Alamo draft house mini tour. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, that there, there's enough of those. And then just, I mean, amazing little, I mean, somebody even like regional chain, but just, I don't want to say like artistic, you know, not art house theaters, but just with a more independent cinematic mind, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, being just being more open and stuff like that to the, the cinematic community around and not necessarily just what's coming, you know, being churned out of Hollywood or being regurgitated out of the mass media. Um, so to be able to do something like that and I mean, to be able to, you know, I would love just to have set up a traveling road show and just drive from fucking draft house to draft house and show kill giggles. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, avail films, you know, our distributors, they've got, they've got massive plans for this and they've been talking to a lot of people. They're just waiting on us to actually finish the movie so they can, sell it. <laughs> but we're making amazing progress. We have a fantastic rough cut. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, we'll do the DVD, the Blu-ray route. I would love to do like VHS with like the puffy cases from the eighties. That would uh-huh. make me happy. Um, yeah. but yeah, we, we, we want to go everywhere. And, and, you know, a large part of that is also, I, I want to be able to take this on the film festival circuit. Um, because again, we, we wouldn't have been able to make kill giggles without having gone through, you know, the last four or five years of taking a film and meeting people and then take, you know, the next year taking a, a different film and meeting more people. And then the next year taking a different film and st- meeting still more people. I, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to kill giggles without the film festival circuit. So I really want to be able to just take this and go back and just say thank you to a lot of the people that they, they gave us a chance to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just myself started doing the film festivals a couple of years ago and, uh, that's such a great time. I've got such a great time doing them. Uh, no, you get to see a movies, you know, a lot of times uh, like a year before they pop up on shutter or whatever, but, uh, you know, you get to talk to, to all the different filmmakers and other, uh, uh fans who like these movies. And, uh, I just think it's a great experience and it's cool. Cause I do see so many people who end up then, uh, you know, uh, collaborating together and when working on stuff together. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I've seen some, I mean, I've seen some absolutely amazing fucking films. Well, I mean, I think born again is one of those where it just sort of, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been able to be a part of born again. If I wouldn't have met Jason Tostevin, good God, 2014, 2015, I think 
like Fandom Fest, which is out of Louisville, Kentucky, um, Friday Night Film Fest, which is no longer around. Um, you know, I met him there and then ended up when I did, I did a short film called Between Hell and a Hard Place, which is the closest thing that I'll ever get to an original episode of The Twilight Zone. We did that, and that screened at Austin Revolution Film Festival, which is run by uh, James Christopher and a bunch of brilliant, beautiful people. And James, you know, James and Jason are best buds and stuff like that. So, we, you know, we, we were able to go to screen in Austin, and then I, I made that connection again with Jason Tostman, and then we were able to, you know, it's, I mean, it's just uh, one thing leads to another and another and another. But I think the beautiful part about film festivals is you just it gives you that chance to be able to not only see amazing things and just to you know to be able to get inspired by what someone else has done um but to be able to meet the people behind it you know and if you if you if you've got something to cover or you've got a project coming up but you don't have a camera person or you don't have a sound person or you need someone to do effects or you need you need this or you need that if you go to a film festival you're likely going to find it and that you know you, you've got you've got people of, of, a, of a, of a kindred, you know, artistic spirit there and stuff like that. So, I mean, it just, they're that much more malleable and approachable to be able to make something, to make something new, to make something better, to make something that they can bring back to the film festival the following year. Um, so I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, that is almost social networking. I think for the independent filmmaker at its finest, mm-hmm. literal social networking, it's not hiding behind this and posting and blasting and, you know, all this other, you know, binary bullshit. I mean, you're actually out there. See, seeing what people are making and being, you know, being inspired by, being whatever you have by it. But I love film festivals. You know, I, I we, we, there again. There's no way that we we would be at the point, at the small point that we're at right now, without being able to do the film festivals and stuff like that. And we we got to start with conventions um, because there's so many conventions out there that have not necessarily formal film festivals per se, but showcases. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll yeah. just a lot of you know people are showing you know everybody wants to go to kind of see something and you know the audiences and stuff like that will vary depending upon the convention the nature of the convention everything else but that's where we got our start and then doing a convention and stuff we were able to sort of we started getting you know you know a film festival here a film festival there and then just sort of took a more serious approach with it and just kind of switched gears from the conventions to the film festivals and again that's just what opened up an entire other path of doors for us mm-hmm. yeah it was myself uh i May uh, for people I met at film festivals and on the show, I made a short film with them in February, I think it was at Boston Underground Film Festival, and now that short's uh, at festivals right now. And uh, so you know, it's 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 fun, you know. And uh, when you first saw your own stuff at like a festival, uh, what was that experience like? Uh, completely fucking unnerving. Um, I still uh-huh. get sick. I still get yeah, I get I get nauseous before every screening. Um. 13 years later yeah i still get uh, the day the first day before filming i usually get ill doesn't matter what it is always get yeah just kind of get crazy but it's just um it, it's terrifying i always have that sort of feeling like gars in wayne's world where it's like you know but you know, i get to do a q a it's just like i just hope you didn't think it sucked um <laughs> i get very i get very nervous and so on that but it, it's always yeah i mean it, it's always terrifying i mean it's you're putting something that you birthed into the world out there. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's your baby and you want people to like your baby. You want your kid to do well. Um, you want people to laugh at the jokes. You want them to get it. You want them to be scared. You want them, you want them to react in all the right points and all the right places and all the right ways. And if they don't, that Jesus, that's fuck. That's a reflection on you. And what did you do wrong? And everything. So I mean, it's just, 
it's yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's almost it's like a, a, a secondary, a tertiary sort of creative birthing process. I think every screening is because you just you just don't know. You hope they get it. You think they will. You want them to. But if they don't, then, yeah, what do you do? Um, but again, I mean, it, it sort of thing depends on the on the filmmaking goals. But to me, I mean, just to be able to have to be able to have cheeks and seats for for something that came out of my skull, you know, for people to be able to sit there for five minutes, six minutes, you know, 10 minutes between how a hard place was 24 minutes to be able to, you know, devote that much of their life just to, to watching your film. I'm grateful for it. I mean, it's just, it, it's an amazing experience. And then, you know, if, you know, if, and when they do laugh and respond and gasp and stuff like that, and everybody responds in the correct ways, it just, it's one of the best highs out there that you don't have to pay for, I guess. Or at least yes. not, not in the non-drug way. You pay for it because, I mean, it, it's a new film. It costs the travel. Yeah, yeah, it's bloodletting and everything else, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's amazing. But it's something that, that still terrifies me each and every single time. Like, when like when we take Kill Giggles on the road, I'm going to be a fucking wreck. Um, but it, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it, it's going to be an excitement and an exhilaration I wouldn't trade for anything, so. Mm. You mentioned that might have been off air, so maybe you don't. I don't know, but uh, you have a son, right? Uh, has he seen any of your stuff? He has, he has. He's actually he's in Kill Giggles. He makes a cameo. Oh, sweet. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he also had a he had a cameo when he was two, very tiny little wee one, um, in one of the one of the acts of the Hot Pink Jesus trilogy. But no, he's he's, he's seen a couple of things. I've shown him like Don't Let the Light In. I don't think I showed him the corner. Um, Don't let the light in. There was a little, there was a blonde boy named Jack, which, you know, is also the name of my son, um, in the movie. So he thinks that it's him. I'm like, no, that it's, he's like, no, that's me. I'm like, no, that was a different boy entirely. But he thinks that he's in the movie and I don't have the heart to tell him that he's not. So, um, I think, I think he's a fan of mine. I like to think he is. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then we've been, I've been writing, we've been writing a couple of short stories. We started over the summer, but, uh, writing a short story together where I would write a sentence and he would write a sentence and then um, he wants me to turn those into cartoons so that could be fun. I told him I would write him a, I, I would write him a werewolf script so he could impress a girl at school. So I've got <laughs> I have to do that for him and I'm like, dude, you're fucking seven. Why am I doing this already? You haven't even hit double digits. Um, but yeah, that boy, yeah, he's my masterpiece. He saved my soul. That's very cool. Very cool. How old were you when you started to watch uh, horror movies? Um, probably too young. I can remember talking to my mom and letting me stay up late. Um, was it 19? I don't think 1981. Like, yeah, Channel 11 back in Missouri, you know, they would show like Super Dave Osborne and then like WKRP and then like Super Dave Osborne and then like at 11 o'clock would be the horror movies. I remember talking to her, you know, I I sweet talked to her and let me stay up way too late to go to watch Phantasm when that was on there and that was just amazing. (laughs) Um, my favorites. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Angus Grimm. God, that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was amazing. Um, you know, I watched. I think I watched Night of the Living Dead when I, I think the first time I saw it, I was seven. Yeah. It's uh, the first movie I remember watching in the drive-in. Uh, no noise. Yeah, no. I snuck into. Uh, I snuck into Nightmare on Elm Street when I was eight, and that that completely fucking unnerved me. Um, <laughs> But like I don't, yeah. I just I, I I remember certain movies, but I mean I just always kind of yeah. I think I was always just sort of watching those. Um, and I sort of got into it. To, uh, my dad grew up, you know, grew up in, in St. Louis, Missouri, in the in the 30s, stuff like that. 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, 
my dad's dad had a bar that apparently Vincent Price used to come in and drink at. So it's like oh, my wow. dad, Vincent Price, he's like, he calls him Vinny. Um, you know, I'd walk, you know, go through the movie or go through the living room on a Saturday morning and stuff like that. And he would have like, you know, one of the universal horror movies on, you know, uh, one of the Poe movies or something like that, or, you know, something that had, you know, that was just one of the, the classical sort of horror films. So it's like, I kind of grew up just seeing bits and glimpses of those. And then, was able to kind of sweet talk my way into things like the twilight zone and other things like that. And then just, I think by that, by a young age, my parents knew I was going to be fucked up anyway. <laughs> um, so they're kind of like, well, let's just sort of curb the fucked up in this. And then we can just sort of push it in a creative direction. And then look at me now. huh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I've, I've just always kind of grown up. Yeah. And I mean, not necessarily around horror per se, but just with sort of that askew view of the universe around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have they watched any of your stuff? Your parents? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my mom actually, my mom makes a, a cameo in Kill Giggles as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, it made me very happy. She came down, yeah, it, yeah. she was on set for a day, which was super cool. So, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. My mom's in my short film, too, actually. I'm Bellicus Dosaderos. Nice, nice. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oddly enough, I just watched rewatch. I've seen it many times, but I just rewatched the uh, Twilight Zone the movie with her not not long ago, like last week. Oh, very cool! I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I hadn't seen it for a long time either. So it was. Uh, okay. I always loved it. I, I like you. I love anthology uh, movies and the and the shows. And mm-hmm. uh, I have a uh, creep show here on my. Uh, I mean, I stand here in the original clam show. It was the first uh, VHS tape my mom bought me back in the eighties. Nice, nice. I haven't seen. I don't have Shutter, so I haven't seen the new show. Have you watched it? Yeah, I liked it. I thought, I thought I was I was a little uh, scared, like I'm like, oh no, because I love uh, Creep Show, uh-huh. and so I was excited that they did it, but at the same time, like, oh no, I hope it's not terrible. But no, I really liked it. Yeah, I haven't seen the new Twilight Zone just just kind of for that reason. Well, I, I haven't read- either. Yeah, I was thinking about getting the whatever it is just so I could watch uh, watch the whole season and probably just have it for the month. Yeah, I just can't. Like, I read, I read what they did with like Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, and they changed it to Thirty Thousand Feet, and they, and they took away the monster and the thing and the reaction to basically the entire story, but they still called it the same thing, which I didn't understand. Um, that kind of bugged me. But yeah, I just I don't know. I I, and I mean Jordan Peele. I mean every, you know damn near everything I've seen that guy do has just been brilliant. But I just I yeah, I I I don't trust him with the Twilight Zone yet. I'm I'm worried about that one. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the one that they they put on YouTube for free, which I like that one. But uh, yeah, that's the only one I've seen. Mm. But uh, what's cool about the original one with the man on the wing, wing of the plane? I love both versions from the old show and the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know which one, I don't know which one I like better, but uh, they both really work well. Yeah, I don't know. Did you ever watch the show uh, Third Rock from the Sun? Oh yeah. Um, there was an episode because there was a. William Shatner played the yeah the big giant head on there. Uh-huh. But there, there was a thing where they showed to go pick him up at the airport, and um, John yeah you know, John Lithgow walked basically you know, walks up to him. He's like, "How was your flight?" He's like, "It was great, but I had the weirdest experience. Like I saw something on the wing of the plane." And then John Lithgow's like, "I had that same experience once." And like <laughs> it was one of those weird Twilight Zone, you know, one of those weird like pop culture jokes where like six people in the entire fucking country got it. But it was <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen. Like I remember like I fell on, I literally laughed out loud. You know, I rolled around yeah. on the floor, whatever that fucking acronym is. I did that because it was just that brilliant. I mean, just something that, I mean, damn near obscure, 
that I was able to catch him. I mean, yeah, there was just, it was, yeah. And I love that episode. Cause I mean, it's like William Shatner and he's scared of like the Jolly Green Giants kid, you know, the little <laughs> fuzzy green thing. And then he magically pulls down the window of the plane and, and shoots the bullet, which goes completely straight forward, not veers in the wind, but just goes straight forward and hits the grandma thing. Like that it just, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. It, Lithgow is like a you know, great actor, obviously, but it's weird because he could play like a total comedy role. And then he could be like at a you know like play like a, a horror villain, and he's believable in in anything he plays. Oh yeah, well yeah, his uh, I mean yeah, his um, I mean Third Rock was brilliant, but then also the role he had in Dexter, the fourth season of Dexter. The, yeah, he yeah. played the Trinity Killer. It was just like oh yeah. shit, that, that was, was a bit yeah. Yeah, they should have just ended the show after that. I think. But, no, they should have. Yeah, because I, 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 it was I, impossible I, to talk. Fucking lumberjack, seriously. Like, I still, I haven't. <laughs> I'm, I'm still pissed off about that. Spoilers. Fucking. Yeah, lumberjack. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, kids. Spoiler, yeah, yeah, that. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Yeah, there's always talks that they're gonna do like they're gonna bring it back to either do like just a movie or like another season, but I don't know. Let it, let it die. It's like I don't know, like El Camino, the whole Breaking Bad thing. It's just like everyone built it up, and then you watch it, it's just like, oh. I was actually looking on my phone to look up certain things because like I don't remember what, the, what I'm sure I'm sure this is supposed to mean something when they showed like the. The, the one guy's truck, which they did explain a little bit later in the movie, but yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's like, man, I should have rewatched the whole series to, to understand a lot of these things. Yeah. There's like really obscure things that they would like uh, call back. And I think it's almost just worth watching more, just worth watching the series again instead of watching El Camino. Like, just watch it and stop. Because it was like, I mean, I mean, it, it was cool, but I mean, to me, I don't know. I'm always one of the persons like I. I, I liked the adventures that I wrote for Jesse Pinkman in my head better than what they actually filmed. Yeah, it is nice. It's a perfect ending. He's just driving off and he's got yeah. his whole, you know, life in front of him now. And you know, who knows what could happen? Yeah. People are pissed off. I mean, it wasn't like the Sopranos ending where it's just like they're playing journey and they, you know, they cut to black. Um, or maybe it was, I don't know. I can't remember what song was playing at the end of it, but well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was just one of those where it's like, it was cool, but Hey, yeah, and I do love Better Call Saul though. Better Call Saul is very good. <laughs> that show's amazing. I think I, I, don't think, I love the guy that plays Mike. He's my hero. He's my spirit yeah. animal. You will. Yeah. yeah, it's all. I, I would never say anything top Breaking Bad, but it's it's almost right up there. I think Better Call Saul. I I would concur. I would concur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where can people uh, follow Kill Giggles to see what, what's going on with it? Well, our CB radio handle is clownkiller666. Um, it's not, but it should be. Shit, I wonder if there's a place I can register our CB handle. No, CB radio, kids. Ask your grandparents. Um, everywhere. Uh, all the social medias. Um, Facebook.com slash killgiggles. Um, Facebook.com slash films. YouTube Mad Ones Films. Instagram, I think it's the Mad Ones Films because I forgot our original password for Mad Ones Films. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, you know, we've got MadOnesFilms.com, KillGiggles.com. Um, we're on the Tweety things, you know, it's Mad One Films and stuff like that. Um, basically, with either Mad One's Films or Kill Giggles, you're you're gonna find it. Um, the IMDb, we've all we've got that stuff, and we've got more updates and stuff like that. There's gonna be a lot of really cool stuff coming. Um, like I said, we also we have that behind the scenes documentary, which may will probably be a feature length, quite possibly. We shot a lot of really, really cool stuff. So that's going to be called Inside the Circus Tent. Um, and then, yeah, everywhere, really. 
Um, if yeah. you see a clown, um, let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I just did a Google. You know, I shouldn't even really ask, really, because you put in Kill Giggles in Google, and it's did just, you just say you did a movie. A- just to, yeah, I was just curious. Are there other kid kill gill giggles? But there aren't. It's it's all your stuff. Yeah, well, there, there's a there was something we found. Like, there's a, I think there's a giggles the clown on Facebook, um, mm. uh, somewhere like that. I was wondering if we could do yeah, if we could do some sort of a, a tie-in. But no, yeah, we'd um, and really just yeah, that entire thing sprang from there was a line that sort of popped into my head. You know, you know, laughter can never die, but what about giggles? And then that sort of that spawned into. We're going to name the clown giggles. And then, I mean, yeah, it just, it, it took on this whole thing. And then next thing I know, Vernon fucking Wells is playing giggles, the clown. That's and it's like, um, cause I had to go pick him up from, you know, we, um, I ended up, I was the one that they got to go pick him up from the airport and I'm picking him up in my mom's minivan, which was also the G and E truck, uh, for the shoot, um, which smelled like dogs. So it's like, I'm riding it with Vernon Wells in a van that smells like dogs uh, full of gear and everything. I was like, you know, there was barely room for his two fucking bags. Um, and when he was telling me about like stories of, of him and Arnold Schwarzenegger and ACDC, and it was just, it was absolute utter, utter madness. And it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, he like, uh, he has like a dog, uh, like he's like a dog rescuer or something. I think out in California. So he probably wouldn't have minded the, uh, the dog smell. No, no, maybe, yeah, it may, may have made the conversation more open. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's very cool. I'm really looking forward to Kill Giggles, and it'll be cool to have you back. Maybe some of the cast when uh, when I get to see the movie. Oh, that would be awesome! Yeah, I would ab- I would absolutely love that, sir. We'll get Michael and Ellie, and yeah, Pickles and Narada, and we'll get a bunch of crew together. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Well, I appreciate doing this, and uh, I would like to talk to you again sometime. All right, be good, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it. Yeah, and I'll see you at uh, Mad Monster if you make it out there in February. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I would. Uh, that would be awesome. All right, very good. All right, have a good evening, sir. You as well. Wait, Thank you. Cheers, man. It'll be okay. Blood,
their way through the wooden trap door.